Oh, how He loves you and me. As we come this morning, we are so thankful for that love. And we are going to be taking up the issue of perseverance, of endurance, of finishing the race well. Now, the story is told about a man who is trying hypnosis in order that he might be able to give up smoking. And a friend looked at him and said, well, do you think this is going to work? And the man looked and he said, sure, it did the last time I tried. Some of you will get that later on. Starting out is relatively easy, isn't it? Starting out is not that difficult, but it is the course of finishing the race that makes life so hard. Finishing well is a whole different matter from starting out. Indeed, starting that new diet or exercise program is kind of fun in the beginning. Indeed, it has a great deal of excitement that goes along with the launch of a new Bible reading plan at the beginning of every new year. And it is all fun and games until you get to Leviticus and Numbers. And then it becomes hard. But understand, the test of our faith is whether or not We hang in there in the midst of the long haul. See, getting married is exciting. It's relatively easy. Do you take this woman? Yes, I do. Do you take this man? Yes, I do. They have. Now they are one man. See, that part is easy. It's the staying married part that is hard. It's the working through the difficult times, the trials, tribulations, and troubles of life that make it so hard, that make it tough to endure. But understand, we are to endure and persevere no matter what comes our way within the midst of the Christian faith. For the Christian faith is, in many ways, like these goals that we have set before us. Becoming a Christian is relatively easy. For indeed, we are to acknowledge to God that we are sinners. We are to repent of the wrong that we have have done before him we are to receive by faith the gift of eternal life that is through faith in jesus christ but understand the holding to that the working out of our salvation on a daily basis that's where life gets hard that's where the christian life becomes a test that's where we stumble and sometimes fall for God gives His grace freely to all that recognize their, their need and trust in Jesus Christ by faith. But then comes the hard part, living as a Christian in the midst of a world that is hostile towards God, hostile towards His people. The world constantly dangles in front of us every form of temptation to seek to draw us away after the desires of our flesh. But understand, God's will is for His children in this world to walk in a way that magnifies Him, that testifies to to the fact that he has transformed their lives by his grace we are to have lives that live it out see the test of endurance and perseverance in the christian life proves whether or not we have genuine faith in christ for indeed there are many who have gone out from us but those who went out from us went out from us why because they were not truly of us but the true christian will endure he will persevere she will endure she will persevere in the midst of the trials the tribulations and the troubles of life so that there might be no question that god has transformed this sinner into a saint of his glorious kingdom see the christian life is a marathon it's not a hundred yard dash a hundred yard dash any of us could complete that i mean well most of us could complete that uh but the christian life is much more than a a hundred yard dash it is a marathon it is a process it is a long 
race of endurance and perseverance. Imagine a mass of runners huddled at the beginning of the course as you look through there on the television screen because you're probably not going to be running in the race with them. As you look there, you see an old, weary, and haggard man there at the beginning. You're wondering, what in the world is this worn-out guy doing at the start of of that marathon? And then the gun fires, and you watch, and over the first few miles, you wonder how that weary and worn old man is doing. And slowly that, that mass of humanity stretches out into a ribbon along the course and you're amazed as you see that worn and weary old man running at the front of the pack and then you watch at the halfway point and there he is he's not just a part of the pack now he's leading the pack he's out in front he's setting the course and then finally it shows the finish line and as it zooms in you see this worn and weary old man has left the pack behind and he's sprinting toward the finish line he's showing forth how the race is to be run and he sprints across the finish line and rather than dropping on the ground collapsing out of out of being drained by from his energy of his energy being drained from him rather than crawling away to water to rest and refreshment he turns around and sprints back out to a younger runner on the courts of the race and he says come on you can do it keep running keep going you can do it we can make it come on don't give up don't throw in the towel keep going and that's what Paul's doing to Timothy in the letter of 2 Timothy. This worn and weary old man is turning around and he's coming back alongside and saying, listen, endurance and perseverance are the proof that you are a child of the living God. Paul's words here in this passage are not those of discouragement broken, uh, of a broken old man. These are, these are words that contain no despair, no defeat, no cynicism, and no fear of the imminent execution which he is facing. His calm assurance is all the more startling when you consider where he is where he is in existence. He is in the midst of the Mamertine prison there in Rome. Even the worst of our prisons today would be like a Hilton compared to this place. For Paul's cell was dark. It was a damp and dreary dungeon reached only by a rope or a ladder from a hole in the floor above. He had no windows. There were no lights, no toilet, no furniture, no running water. And as Paul sat on those hardened floors in the midst of that cold, damp, dark cell, enduring the stench of his own urine and excrement, there Paul pens a letter and says to young Timothy, don't you give up. Don't you throw in the towel. Don't you compromise. Don't walk away from the faith. You hold to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Timothy... You finished the race. And as he says that to Timothy, he is saying that to you and I today. You, Christian, finished the race. You, Adamsville Baptist Church, finished the race. You fight the good fight. You finish the course that's marked out for, for you. You hold on to the faith. Listen, you, you be willing to be sober of mind in all things. You be willing to endure hardship. You be willing to complete the ministry that has been entrusted to you. We are to finish 
the race well. And let us see that exhortation from Paul in this epistle to Timothy there in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, as we stand now in honor of the reading of God's holy and inspired word. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, it says, But you, be sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have loved His appearing. Not only to me, but also to all of those who have loved His appearing. Father, let us be counted in that number as those who have loved Your appearing. Father, Your first appearing in the situation and circumstance of living a perfect life in the midst of humanity, of dying an atoning death and then rising again in glorious victory that secured our salvation. But Lord, let us love also. Father, Your next appearing, when You will take this perishable and make it imperishable, take this mortal and make it immortal. Father, when you will receive us unto yourself to live eternally in your presence. Lord, let us rejoice today at the word that you have given so that it might instruct us to endure and persevere even in the midst of many trials, troubles, and tribulations so that you might receive the glory and so that many might be saved. Father, as we go through this time today, may you show us our sin, may may you show us your Savior, and may we live lives worthy of the gift, gift of salvation that you have given. In Jesus' name, amen. We see in this passage... That we are to finish our, that in order to finish our race well, we must have a proper view of our lives according to God's plan and promise. We are to have a proper view of our lives according to God's redemptive purposes and plans within our life. We are to look at our present conditions and we are not to regard them as the end all and be all for this present condition fades in comparison to the real life that abides within the Christian. We are also to see in verse 7 that we are to look at our past course and we are to be able to say that we have been faithful in all things, that we have endured, that we have worked and finished the race the mark that is marked out before us that God has given to us. And finally, we are to see that our future destiny is more precious than anything this world could offer or that death could take away, that our future destiny is with the living Lord Jesus Christ. And that gives us hope to faith and to endure and to persevere even in the hardest of times. As we come today and we ask the question, how can we finish well? We can finish well when we have a proper view of our lives according to God's plan and promise of redemption. 
First of all, there in verse 6, we see that to finish well, we have to have a proper perspective of this present life. We must have a proper perspective of this present life. Paul begins by saying, I am. And he says there in verse 6, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He's letting us know what his existence was. Well, he says, where I am already. Being poured out as a drink offering. My depart- time for departure has come. Where was Paul? He was at the Mamertine prison there in Rome. What was he facing? He was facing sure and certain death. And yet he was willing to face death. Even, even death for the sake of the gospel. For he indeed understood his place in the great commission charge that Jesus Christ had given. For the great commission gives all Christians a purpose to complete in the midst of their earthly life. And he understood what his purpose was to live a life of consequence within this world. What was the purpose? To facilitate the flow of the gospel to the ends of the earth by going to preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing the ones that receive and believed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost and teaching them all that God, that Jesus has commanded them. Paul understood his purpose and we are to understand our purpose as well. We are not to let the circumstances and conditions of this life set for us what we are to be about, but we are to let God's word inform us what we are to be about. As we walk as God's people in this present and evil world, we need to make sure we are aligned with the purposes of our sovereign Savior in such a way that we might show His grace and glory in the midst of our lives. We indeed need to understand that as Christians, as a church, as a community of faith here within Goldsboro, North Carolina, the question before us is, are we on the same purpose as our living God? See, Paul is satisfied that his faithfulness and obedience to Christ's commands in his present life have prepared him for his death. He has no fear. He has no shame. He's not trying to sidestep death. He's waiting on it. He's anticipating it. In verse 5, Timothy is given tasks to do. Hey, Timothy, you need to do these things. You need to be sober-minded, Timothy. You need to endure hardship. You need to do the work of an evangelist. Timothy, you need to complete. You need to fulfill your ministry. Why, Paul? Because I'm about to check out. I'm fixing to be gone. And at that point, the responsibility is given to you. See, Timothy, you are going to carry the torch. You see, it is always easier if you have someone that is going to carry your legacy to step out of the positions that you have been entrusted, isn't it? If you have someone prepared to fill your place, listen, it's always easier to step out of those positions. And so that's what Paul is saying. And we must understand when we are Great Commission Christians and Great Commission churches, we know that our fidelity to faithfully pass along the faith to those who come behind us is the plan and the purpose of our living God. See, after all, we are but unbroken links in the chain of God's work of salvation and redemption amongst God's creation to the ends of the earth. Have you ever thought of your life in that way? That if you are a Christian, you are just part of an unbroken chain extending from Jesus Christ there in Jerusalem at Calvary 
all the way to Goldsboro, North Carolina today. As we come today, we must understand that it is God's purpose for all Christians to make disciples. How many Christians are to make disciples? How many? All. It's not the preacher's job. It's not the Sunday school teacher's job. It's not just the deacon's job. All Christians are to make disciples. It is indeed the great commission, not the great suggestion. See, Christ died for us so that we might have salvation. Paul died so that the gospel might be passed on to the next generation. And now I'm going to be so selfish to hide the gospel under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. What a great truth that teaches to us. What a great truth that our homes, our churches, and our communities should be saturated with Christians completing the task of the Great Commission by making disciples, by preparing others to step in, to fill their place, and to carry on the ministry till the world knows that Jesus Christ is Lord. Men, you are to teach younger men and equip them so that they might then pass on the testimony of the faith to others who are faithful men. Women in Titus chapter 2 verses 3 through 5. You are to pass the older women or to teach the younger women these things so that they might honor God and might not dishonor the word of God. Parents, students, airmen, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are doing. Let me ask you, what is the main thing that you are working for in the midst of your life? Who are you training for God's Kingdom work to expand to the ends of the earth. The answer is nobody let me ask you again, are you truly a Christian? Because if you are not active and participating in sharing your faith and training those who would come behind you, the question must be asked, do you really know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? Because if you love him the way he has loved you, you're going to talk about him in your homes at your work, in your schools, and even to the ends of the earth. Not only is Paul completing the Great Commission, but he has a right understanding of his present life, his present condition as well. He did not view his execution as a cruel tragedy or unfair treatment in view of his many years of experience and ministry. He had had 30 years of persevering for the sake of the gospel, and now he comes to the end and he understands execution by beheading is awaiting him. And he doesn't say, well, this is just unfair. This is unfit for the servant of God. He Rather, sees it as a climatic climactic offering of a sacrificial life. Indeed, if we read in Numbers, after the sacrificial lamb was laid upon the altar and just before it was lit on fire, the priests were to pour out on that offering, on that sacrifice, an offering of praise in the form of wine. It was a final sacrifice of worship poured out on the existing sacrifice for sin. And so Paul viewed his own death as a drink offering being poured out on top of an entire life of service, of sacrifice, of worship before the living God. And you and I are supposed to see ourselves in the same way. To finish well, we must have a view of life that says my life is not so precious that it is more important than the act of worship to the living God. Paul says in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, I urge you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, what? A living 
and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. See, you don't serve Christ in order to get praise and acclaim from the mere mortals of this world. You serve Christ as an act of worship to Him and to Him alone. If others turn away from you, if others talk about you, if others badmouth you like they were doing Paul so that they might go after false teachers, then you listen, you stay firm, you stand straight, you keep running toward the course that God has set up for you. Listen, if you get to the end of your life and at the end of your earthly life you come to the point where your head is cut off in anonymity along the paths of obscurity you stand firm and testify to the faith of Jesus Christ Paul says I'm being poured out and the blood of my beheading is pouring out over a life of sacrifice in praise and worship to the living God who has redeemed me from my sin and set me free from the power of sin, death, and hell. In addition to a proper view of his present condition that his life was an act of worship, Paul had a proper understanding of his future destination. He understood that death is a departure from our present experience, but not a cessation of our existence. Death, in proper terms, in biblical terms, listen, is a departing from our present existence, but it is not a cessation of our existence. For death is separation or departure of the soul from the body within this earthly realm. But understand that we are awaiting the time when Jesus Christ the righteous will return. And he will raise that which is mortal in immortality. When he will raise that which is perishable in the imperishable nature. So that we might stay with him in all of eternity. So that we might live in his glory term Paul uses here is a vivid term. It was used to describe the unyoking of an animal from its plow or cart. Death means for us the end of our labors and tolls within this life. It was also used for loosening the bonds of a prisoner. Death for you and I means a release from the bonds of this corruptible body, this mortal body, this perishable body. This term was also used for the loosening of the ropes at the end of a soldier's tent. This suggests that death, in death, the battle is over, the victory is won, and now we are headed to our eternal home. The word here is also used for the loosening of the mooring ropes of a ship. Indeed, this is Paul's anchors away speech. He is picking up. He is moving on. And at death, our earthly ship sets sail from the shores of this stormy earth for the safe harbor of our heavenly home. That's what Paul's saying. Don't you confuse what's coming. Oh, yes, I'm going to die. But I'm not gone. You can't kill me. For that which is in the spirit cannot die. If you have a proper view of your purpose, you will make disciples. If you have a proper view of your present life, then you will worship God in spirit and in truth, withholding no good thing from him. If you have a proper view of your death, then you will understand it is simply a departure. It is not goodbye. It is simply so long until I see you again. For then we will be able to finish without fear, but rather with anticipation and joy, knowing that to depart is much better so that we might be with Christ. For indeed, you will 
will be able to say with Paul, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Let me ask you this morning, what is most precious to you, this earthly realm and your earthly life or the eternal realm of God and your eternal life? Have a proper view of your present life. Secondly, we see in verse 7, to finish well, we are to have a proper perspective of our past life. We must have a proper perspective of, your, of our past life. Paul was able to look back on his past in Christ and he was able to say confidently that he had done well. Not because who he was or what he could accomplish. He was a sinner destined for hell in and of himself. But God had redeemed him. He had graciously changed and transformed all that he was so that he might be a son of the Most High. And he looked back upon his life and said I indeed have had troubles and trials and tribulations but I have no regrets because I have been redeemed I have been changed and I have been transformed and so now as I face death I can say with confidence and assurance I have fought the good fight I have finished the course I have completed the race I have kept the faith see looking back Paul could say I've done exactly what God called me to do Can you say that of your life? Because I've got to tell you something. If you want it to be said of you and written upon your epitaph that, listen, he was a man, she was a woman who kept, who fought the good fight, ran the race marked out before them, completed the course, and kept the faith, then you need to, this day, be fighting the good fight. You need to be running the course. You need to be keeping the faith. Indeed, Paul has in mind here in this passage the idea of the athletic contest that would go on. Paul first has in mind fighting the good fight, the idea of the wrestling or boxing matches there within the sporting arena when the contestant has given the best of what he has to offer. He is then satisfied with his performance and he can sit down knowing full well that he has done the best with what God has given him to do. The apostle feels the same way about the fight he was engaged in with the powers and principalities of this present evil darkness, of this present evil world. He indeed had engaged with God in the fight for God's glory and grace to be made known to the end to the earth. Let me ask you, what will you fight for within this world? Will you fight for the American dream? Will you fight for your comfort and complacency? Will you fight for the things, the comforts of this world? Or will you fight for the glory of God to be revealed in your life? See, we must ask ourselves at this point, what are Sunday mornings for? To come sit, soak, and sour? Or to come and be equipped so that we might serve the living God? See, if you're, what you hear on Sunday doesn't inform what you do on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, listen, it is useless for you to come. It is useless. If you are not receiving, learning, and then applying the Word of God faithfully so that you might fight daily for the sake of the glory of God, then listen, we might as well pack it up and go home. If you're not teaching others, if you're not telling others of the work of Jesus Christ and the glorious redemption that we can find in, that they can find in the Gospel, then listen, we've got no purpose in being here. The only reason we come here is so that we can go out to the world and minister in the effective way. that God wants us to. We are to fight the good fight. Are you engaging the fight today? 
you engaging the fight at all. Secondly, he says, not only that, but I have finished the course. I have faithfully followed the course God laid out before me. Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul says to the Ephesian elders there on the, on the shores as he's about to depart, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus Christ to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. I don't have any purpose except to pour myself out in running the race so that I might complete exactly and, and accomplish exactly what God wants me to do. Listen, don't fall and listen to me, Christian. Don't fall down. Don't drop out. Don't falter and fall away. Don't throw in the towel. Don't get too tired. Don't become depressed and turn away. You follow Christ. You press on. You complete the mark and the race that He has given to you. Run in such a way that you might lay hold of the mark that He has set for the high calling in Christ Jesus. Run according to God's way, according to God's will, and according to God's Word. You want to be a successful Christian? Then you run the race of faith. Thirdly, I have kept that which was entrusted to me. He says, I have kept the faith. I have guarded the great and glorious gospel, the doctrines of the Christian religion that tell how a sinner might become a saint, how a sinner might be saved from his sin and set free so that he might serve God with all of his heart, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. Indeed, we understand that is the gospel. And Paul says, this is a precious treasure that was entrusted to me to guard. And I have done it. And I have done it well. story is told of an Olympic marathoner who came into the stadium hours behind the runner in front of him. And by that time, the drama of the day was almost gone in the events and were almost over. All of the spectators had almost left the stadium. And yet this athlete's story, however, was being played out right there in front of the watching witnesses limping into the arena. This Tanzanian runner grimaced with every step that he took. His knee was bleeding and bandaged from an earlier fall. He had suffered on the course. His ragged appearance immediately caught the attention of the remaining crowd in the stadium who began to applaud, cheering him on to the finish line. And when he was asked later, why did you stay in the race? What made you endure? What made you persevere in the presence of these injuries? He said, my country did not send me 7,000 miles to quit. They sent me 7,000 miles to finish the race. What a great attitude. God did not send His Son from the throne room of heaven into this world to purchase your salvation and save your soul so that you could do nothing. He came and lived and died and rose again in glorious victory so that you might tell everyone. So that you might keep the faith and pass it along. We as Christians are to finish the race of life no matter what we encounter or endure, we must get back on our feet. We must continue running the race. We must make it to the finish line so that we might then receive the crown of everlasting life. For our endurance and perseverance is the very testimony of a genuine salvation that is lasting. For indeed, there have been many who have gone out from us and they went out from us. Why? Because they were not truly of us. But if you are a child of the living God, if you have been changed, transformed, saved, 
by the work of Jesus Christ in your life, you will not throw in the towel. You will not sacrifice. You will not fall and pass away. You will get up and you'll keep running. If you want it said of you that you have fought the good fight, that you have run the good race, and you have kept the faith, you must be fighting today. You must be running today. You must be keeping the faith. Finally, in verse 8, he says, to finish well. To finish well, we must have a proper perspective of our future life. He says, in the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. See, despite his dismal circumstances, despite being there in the midst of a dungeon and all the deplorable circumstances that Paul knew, he finished well because his faith informed his sight. He didn't let his sight inform his faith. His faith informed his sight. Oh, yes, Paul, you are in the midst of the worst persecution you could imagine, and you are awaiting your expected death. But listen, Paul, you can have strength because when you are killed in this body, you will be present with the Lord. You can endure. You can persevere. When he looked back at his life and around at his present predicament, Paul did not let it overwhelm the truth of the revelation that Jesus Christ was the Savior of his soul and he would be returning to redeem his body. He had been set free from the penalty of sin and then he would be set free from the power of sin. And so now he could rejoice even in the midst of suffering. Listen, you may have suffering in your body that I don't know about. Nobody else knows about it. You've never Never told anybody about it and you're wondering how can I press on how can I go on where should I set my eyes you should set your eyes upon the future glory that is coming to the Christian who loves the appearing of Jesus Christ that's where you set your eyes don't look at your stuff don't look at the setting don't look at the situation you look to your Lord Jesus Christ in heaven he has been raised with a glorified body and you too will be raised in his presence Indeed, a Greek or Roman athlete who was a winner was rewarded by the crowds with a laurel wreath, a garland of oak leaves. These crowns would fade and fall apart. But Paul was talking here about a a crown that would not fade, that would not fall apart, a crown of eternal glory that would never tarnish. It would be perfectly preserved for the rest of eternity because it was a crown of righteousness, the crown of life that was given to all those who trust in Jesus Christ. As we come today, I want you to hear, I want you to understand exactly what the gospel is. The gospel is just this, that there is coming a day when you and I are going to have to stand before for the righteous judge. And on that day, there are only two types of people. There are those who are righteous in Jesus Christ by repenting of their sins and placing their faith in Him. And there are those who are judged unrighteous in their selves as they live in their sin because they are judged according to what they have done. Each of us are sinners by nature and by choice. We have chosen to reject and revile God's law. We have chosen to lie and to seek our own fleshly pleasures so that we might fill ourselves with the desires of our flesh but God has now given Jesus Christ to live the perfect life, die an atoning death, and rise again in glorious victory so that all those who would repent of their sins and place their faith in Him might be redeemed by the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
And that's why we come to the table today. So that we might remember what God has done in redeeming ourselves. Redeeming our bodies and redeeming our souls. So that we might live in eternity with Him. To finish well, we must have a proper perspective about the future reward of eternal life. For God's salvation is more precious than any pleasure the world can offer or that death can take away. And so we are to set in our mind that we are to surrender to God each and every moment that we live. Sir, we are to serve Him faithfully and finish the race He has marked out for us to run. Let me tell you this morning, God is intensely interested in the minute moments of your life. Say, well, God only cares if I'm here once a week and what I do on Sunday mornings, 1030. God cares about every second of your existence because it is in those minute moments of your daily life that you prove whether or not you truly trust and follow the living God. Whether you have truly been saved and transformed by His grace and for His glory. The average life in America is somewhere around 83 years, and that's roughly 2.619 billion seconds. Yeah, I'm an engineer. God doesn't care about my ordinary moments, my inconsequential moments. He doesn't care what I do outside of church. Yes, He does. He loves you. He wants you to be a faithful witness for the sake of His gospel. He wants you to finish the race, and He wants you to finish the race well. Indeed, we ought to remember the poem that C.T. Studd wrote as he drove us home to see God's glory and to remind us of the consequence of our daily lives. He says it this way, Two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way bringing conviction to my heart and from my mind would not depart only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last one only one life yes only one soon will its fleeting hour be done then in that day my lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat only one life will soon be passed only what's done for christ will last only one life to live will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. What's the lamp of your life burning for this morning? Burning for yourself or burning for God's Savior? What's the purpose in your life? How are you running? You fighting the good fight, you finishing the course, you keeping the faith, or you seeking to serve yourself. Indeed, today it is for every one of us to come in this time and to submit ourselves to God, to surrender ourselves fully to Him, and to serve Him faithfully from this day forward. Listen, God has loved you and I so much that He offered His body and His blood to redeem our souls. Will you surrender everything to Him this morning? Father, as we close in this time, I pray that as, if there is one here this morning who does not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, who has not surrendered to Him fully, Father, that You would bring them, that You would draw them, Father, to repentance and to faith in Christ. Lord, allow them, Father, to see their sin, to see Your Savior, Your grace, Your redemption, and, Father, to surrender to You. 
Father, for those who are here today who have made that commitment to follow you and to run the race of faith, Father, I pray that they would finish the race well. Lord, let us never say that we're too old to serve God. Let us never say we're too tired or we're too busy to serve God. For you are the God that loved us so much. Father, in the midst of the time where you were overseeing every detail of the world, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, Father, to stop history and to pay the penalty of sin. Lord, he never cried out that it was too much for him to bear. But rather, he offered himself up so that we might be delivered from the penalty and the power of sin. Lord, let us never falter. Let us never fall away. Let us never fail you as we seek to finish the race you have marked out for us. Lord, let the testimony of our lives be that we have loved you more than we have loved ourselves. That we are willing to go wherever you lead and wherever you guide. Father, may that be the prayer of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close our service with a time of invitation this morning, I want to invite you, wherever he leads, will you be willing to go? Will you be willing to serve him there? If you would.